Um, <laughs> this is dangerous. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I just want to share this really quick. When Andrew was sharing about Peter asking the Lord to call him out on the waves, I was I was just sitting there thinking like. Y'all know the story of, like, Jesus comes to them, and Peter's like, Lord, if it's you, and Jesus is talking to him. I was like, this is really weird. And I was just thinking of it as Andrew was sharing it. But Peter says, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come. And the Lord just told me Peter knew what it sounded like to be asked to come. He knew the Lord's voice that bid him come. Peter was used to hearing Jesus say, hey, Peter, come. And so he knew what that sounded like. And I believe this morning the Lord's going to incline our ears to hear him in a deeper way. Um, And it's going to be really good. Um, I want to start off, actually, I felt the Lord tell me this morning that I'm supposed to speak to family. And so what I want to do, I feel like I always do this, but what I want us to do is to come fill up the front rows. I'm not saying every seat has to be full, but I'm saying I want us to come close because we're speaking to family, and family is close. And so if you feel comfortable, just move forward, and I'm actually going to be on the floor today. Super close. (laughs) I can look in the eyes. Yeah, you can sit on the floor. That's fine. Where's center? I don't know where center is now. Is this good? This is good. Um, Grace for the media team. Bless you. Uh, Yeah, that's good. Just come forward if you feel comfortable being up here. Yeah, let's go, youth. Come on. This is good. I like this. Um, So, as Andrew said, my name is Wesley Fagan. I'm the youth pastor here. And um, it's an honor to speak with y'all today as family. Uh, it's really funny because I felt the Lord putting on my heart to speak about maturity in Christ. And I realized that last time I was here and spoke, I, that's also what I spoke on. <laughs> and so I guess it's just been a theme and I didn't realize it. I don't know. Um, I guess this is Mature Church Part 4. <laughs> Not really, but uh, kind of. So yeah, Part 4, Mature Church Part 4. Um, the reason why, though, is because I feel like maturity in Christ is something that's kind of mystical or mysterious. That's a better word. Like, if we were to say, what does it mean to mature in Christ? What does it look like? How do we get there? I feel like it's just kind of this, it's a little foggy. Does it, like, do y'all feel that? Like, it's just, it doesn't necessarily seem like it goes from one to two to three, and it, it can be difficult, and my goal today, what I feel that the Lord has put on my heart and my goal, and this, y'all may think this is a lofty goal, but I feel like it's possible. My goal is to make this so simple you can't miss it, but so impactful that you can't leave the same. That's my goal. So it's to be so simple that you can't miss it because I want this to be like stupid practical. So yeah, it's going to be good, but y'all pray for me. <laughs> no. Um, and I'm also just going to pray. I know we just prayed, but I, I just, my heart's just heavy. So Lord, hmm, I thank you that you're in this room. I thank you for everything that you've already done and everything that you're doing. 
Lord, I thank you for family this morning. Lord, we come to you as sons and daughters and with you as our father. Lord, I pray now that you would begin to touch our hearts, you'd open up our hearts. Lord, to be good soil that the seeds that you plant would take root. Lord, would you give us ears to hear and ears to hear and eyes to see in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Um so, yeah, like I said, this whole thing of maturity, it's kind of, it can feel really unquantifiable, which it doesn't necessarily need to be quantifiable, but the, like, what's the purpose of maturity? What's the point? I feel like sometimes we can gather every week and it's amazing. Like we encounter Jesus, it's like it's beautiful, and we want to encounter Jesus and see cities transformed, right? But like unto what? Like, and, and I mean... I'm like super practical. So I'm like, what does a transformed city look like, right? Like you could paint the city purple and that's a transformed city. That's not what we mean by transformed cities. Like we want to look like Jesus. We want to walk like him. We want to talk like him. And we want to, I mean, we want to be like him, Christian, like little Christ, like Christ-like, right? So our goal is that every week as we gather, we would look more and more like him. We would walk like him. We would think like him. We would talk like him. Right? And so if that's our goal, that's the end goal, then how do we get there? And we, we kind of have to answer that question. How do we get there? If that's, if that's where we're going, how do we get there? In just a second, I'm going to share a few scriptures. Normally, when I teach, I like to teach on like a specific text, but I kind of felt to give a few like random scriptures as almost like riverbanks that we're going to kind of bounce between, if that makes sense. Um, so I want to just show us, we're actually going to start at the end goal and work backwards to maturity in Christ, end goal, and then the beginning. So, and by beginning, I don't mean Genesis. Well, actually I do, but not Genesis 1-1, different Genesis. Um, I just want to read a few scriptures really quick and just show us what the end goal of maturity is. First um, John 2-6 says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Wow. Okay. That's pretty crazy. Ephesians 4.13, it talks about the fivefold, and then it says, until we all reach unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Here's what maturity looks like. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What? The whole measure of the fullness of Christ? Like that's, and again, actually this specifically is talking about the church as a whole, but the church is made up of individuals, so it's for us also, that we would actually attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 5, 1-2 says, therefore be imitators of God. Like, I don't... (laughs) I don't know about y'all. When I read the Bible and I see things like this, like be imitators of God, it's either like you either believe it's not possible or it is. Like there's no like, there's no in between. Does that make sense? Like if I'm going to be an imitator of God, I either have to say it's not possible and I'm, what's the phrase? I shoot for the stars and land on the moon, shoot for the moon, land on the stars. You know that phrase? What is it? No, that's not it. 
Shoot for the moon if you miss, you land on the stars. I, guys, I told you all this is family. So you either think it's like some big high goal that you're aiming towards and you're going to miss it, but at least you're aiming in the right direction, or it's actually possible, right? Like those are kind of our two choices. Either you're just supposed to try and miss it, or it's actually possible. And if it is possible, you either, like, then the question is, how does it happen? Do you imitate God? Do you walk just like Jesus walked through your own strength and trying super hard and being disciplined and more devoted than anybody else in the world? Or does the Spirit of God actually empower you to do it? And so if the end goal is maturity, and even Paul in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present you mature in Christ. For this struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For this I toil, sorry, for this I toil, struggling with all energy. So he's saying every, all the energy and power that God's given me, I give to you to present you mature in Christ. So like this is a big deal. And actually, First um, John 2.1 says, Now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So just, I want to make this real. Jesus is going to come through the clouds, right? On a horse, faithful, written on his side, man in white, like the glory, the trumpets, the clouds, the angels, right? All the stuff. And the goal is that we stand before him confident and unashamed. That's crazy. I mean, can we just, like, in my own strength, the best I could do would be, like, just not fall down like a dead person, I'm just trying to make this so real to us. But the goal is that we would actually be confident and unashamed. And other verses say like steadfast and blameless. First First Thessalonians 5, I think it's verse 12, says that you would be pure and spotless and blameless at his coming. So if that's the goal, how in the world do we get there? Because, I mean, I don't know. If y'all really think about this, like, does this just seem crazy? Like, are you like, that's not... That's not possible. Like, there's no way that when Jesus comes back and splits the sky and I'm seeing Jesus straight up face to face, I'm going to stand there and be like, I was waiting for you. Right? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I feel like that's crazy. But that's the goal. And that's where we're headed. And so the question, like I said, we're kind of start at the end and go backwards. The question is, how do we get there? Because Jesus is coming back, this is, this is a thought, y'all. Jesus is coming back for a bride, right? And he will not be unequally yoked with his bride. He's not, he's, he doesn't marry his bride out of pity. So if he's coming back for his bride, and we're supposed to reach the, this is, that's why we reach the fullness of the stature of Christ. Because when he's coming back for his bride, he's not going to be unequally yoked. And so how in the world, (laughs) how are we going to get there? And jumping from the end to the beginning, not Genesis, but it starts with us being born again. Right? Can we all agree on that? Like, the maturity in Christ is going to start with you being born again. And I mean, I've talked before about what it means to be saved, right? We did talk about salvation. What are we saved from? What are we saved into? But even this phrase, born again, I want to really just dissect it. Actually, y'all can, if you want, you can turn to John 3. 
John 3.16, like the most popular verse probably in all the Bible that everyone knows, right? But there's so many things as believers that we just hear and we, hear, we talk about it, we say, and it doesn't hit us, and we don't let it be real to us. And one of these is this conversation here in John 3. Well, I guess we'll start in verse 3, John 3, 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee. And Nicodemus, well, we'll start with this. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, and Jesus explained to him how to be born again. And Nicodemus doesn't have a clue what's going on, as we'll see in a second. But I want to just dive into this. So John 3, 3. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus has never heard the phrase born again, so Nicodemus has a great response. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? That's a great question, Nicodemus. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, Nicodemus has never heard the phrase born again, and so he's asking about it because he doesn't understand it. And I feel like a lot of us don't also understand the phrase born again, but we just say it. And so, like, we need the Nicodemus anointing. Like, we need to be able to tell the Lord, Lord, that doesn't, I don't get it. Right? Because, like, the Lord will say things, maybe not born again, but he'll say things to us, and we're like, yeah, 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 that's good, Lord. And he's like, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about right? We're like, yeah, that's good. We like write it down. We like post on social media what the Lord's saying. And he's like, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Like you didn't even let it hit you. But Nicodemus asks, and so the Lord replies. And if we don't ask, we deny the Lord an opportunity to actually explain it to us. So Nicodemus is like, Lord, I don't know what you're saying. And verse five, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when you get born again, who are you born from? the Spirit. So when you get born again, you get born from the Spirit. Okay, I want to make this practical. How many mothers do we have in the room? Okay, when you were pregnant, how many of you wondered what you were going to give birth to, if it was a human or something else? (laughs) Nobody. Why? Because a human doesn't give birth to something else, a horse doesn't give birth to a cat, a cat doesn't give birth to a cow, and spirit doesn't give birth to anything else but spirit. And God doesn't give birth to sinners. So when you get born again, you get a new nature, and you become his spirit, like we, we hear these things, but it doesn't hit us. We become sons and daughters. Why? Because now his spirit is our spirit. He doesn't give birth to something that he's not. So if you're going to be born of the spirit, you are now, so 
man, I am going back. Genesis, right? We're created, Genesis 1.26. You're created, the Trinity's having this conversation with himself. And he says, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness, right? We're still in the image of God. In the garden, we lost the likeness. On the cross, Jesus gave us back the likeness. He gave us back the likeness. Okay, I know like I've preached on this before, but this is super foundational. He gave us back the likeness so that now we can grow up in him because that's the first step. So I want to I wanna share a little parable, and Josh Thomas is going to help me with this. I'm going to ask him some questions in just a minute. Actually, can we get another microphone? Um, Jesus talked in parables a lot. Because he, was, he talked to scholars and, you know, Pharisees and stuff, but a lot of times he's just talking to regular, you know, just regular dudes, fishermen, carpenters, you know, farmers. So he talked in their language, right? And so what I want to do is when, if we understand who we're born from, that's foundational for what we're about to do. I'm just going to ask Josh some questions. And I want us to let this hit us deeply, okay? Relate this to the spirit, because a lot of things, like, God created the way that nature works. He, like, he created the way that a seed turns into a tree that, turn, that bears fruit, that gives seeds, that bears trees, that bears fruit. Does that make sense? Like, it didn't have to work like that. So when we look at nature, when we look at the way that things sometimes work in the natural, it can show us the heart of God for things, because he's the one that designed how it works. And actually, when we look at nature, when we look at things that happen, whose nature is it? Like the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so it's actually God's nature. Like the way that he designed things to work. And Jesus spoke so much about literally just natural things. And so, again, Josh, you can go and come up. Which this is amazing because this is a prophetic word fulfilled. Because last week... Andrew was saying that he felt like you'd be holding a microphone, and here you are. So, yeah, here you are. Praise the Lord. So, again, you can take this at face value and have simple answers to simple questions, or you can let this go really deep in your heart and understand the parable of this. So, even now, you can ask the Lord to give you eyes to see and ears to hear. So, thank you for coming. <laughs> um, I want to ask you simple questions, and you can answer with what, like, the truth. So, Josh, how many kids do you have? <laughs> Four. Four kids. Yeah. Okay, who is the oldest? Asher. And how old oldest. is he? He's eight. Eight. Yes. Okay, so what do you like to do with Asher? Like, what does he do for fun? What he do you do for fun with him? soccer all the time. Soccer all the time. He wants me and him kicking the ball. Nice. Trying to take it away from me. Cool. Yeah. Does yeah. he beat you? No, just kidding. <laughs> he's, he's literally almost there. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that fast. And he's eight years old. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a very weird question. On a scale of one to ten or percentage from zero to a hundred, what percent is Asher your son? Last time I checked, he's 100%. 100, okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. often you check, but that's good. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> Okay, so who's your youngest? Uh, Natalie, as of two weeks ago. Yeah, let's go. Come on. So the, that's amazing. Okay, yeah. and so 
what percentage is Natalie your daughter? She is 100% mine. Okay, and so that means she plays soccer too? Not yet. <laughs> so the way that you relate to Asher is different than how you relate to Natalie? Yes. Why? Different stage of life, different ability. Um, he's not as pretty as she is. <laughs> That's good. There so. you go. Don't, I won't tell him that. No, she's kidding. He's watching. <laughs> That's good. So she's 100% your daughter. Yeah. But she doesn't play soccer. Correct. And Asher's 100% your son, but he, he does play soccer. Yes. So their sonship and daughtership has nothing to do with their ability. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. 100%. And so the only difference between, do you think Natalie one day will play soccer? Absolutely. Okay. If Asher has anything to do with it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> do you think she'll beat him? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the only difference between Natalie and Asher is their maturity and where they're at, their growth. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah. And so here's a question. Yeah. Does Asher look more like you? than Natalie does, or Natalie looks like Suzanne, because he's more mature, more grown. Well, yet to be told, because I don't know really what she's going to look like, but yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I think that they, they both resemble probably us. Yeah, I think they probably do, and yeah. you probably, I don't even need to ask you this, because every single yeah. parent does this, right? Your kid gets born, I just, it's like innate, I don't know, you like look over at the crib, and you're like, oh my goodness, look, like, she, you like probably tell Suzanne, she looks like you. Look, she has your nose. Or like, oh, she has my chin, right? No, definitely. She looks exactly like me. <laughs> my wife is beautiful, but. Yeah, that's, that's good. So why do you think parents want to see themselves in their kids? They want to replicate themselves. They want, they want what you have. I always see it like my ceiling is going to be their floor. Like right. what I built, what I've worked for, what I've done. I want to see myself. I want to see my legacy continue. Mm -hmm. That's super good. So, yeah, that's really good. If I were to take a picture of you today and a picture of Asher today, would I get them confused as to who's who? No. If I were to take a picture of you today and Asher in 30 years, would I maybe get them confused? Hopefully so. How do you know that that would happen? I, I mean, I'll be the stronger one, always. Yeah. But, um, um, like, I, 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 I just, I'm going to sew into him. Um, I'm going to continue to teach him um, until I'm out of, out of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to put all of what I have into him. That's good. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, that's good. Thank you yeah, so much. Absolutely. Did y'all catch that? I just dropped that. Asher, for the next however long is going to continue to grow, and naturally, he's going to look more and more, literally every single day, he's going to look more and more like his parents. 
Why? Because he was born of them. It is actually in his DNA. It's in, his, in, in the flesh. It's natural, natural life says that as he matures, he's going to look more and more like the one who birthed him, the ones who he was born of. Does that make sense? So imagine if, because I want to make this really practical again. Imagine if Asher, if I told Asher today, Asher, the goal is that you would look and walk and talk like your dad. And he looks at his dad and he says, man, my dad has an awesome beard and my dad is taller than I am and my dad has different clothes than I do. And imagine if Asher, as an eight-year-old, like just picture this because we do this. Imagine if Asher, I don't even know where, goes to a costume shop and gets a fake beard and glues on a beard. He starts walking on stilts and gets some different clothes to try to be like his dad. Now what happens is he's walking on his stilts and he trips and he falls face plant on his fake beard. And now he feels like he failed as a son because he doesn't look like his dad. And now when his dad is saying, here, son, I want to teach you and walk with you and love you and here, eat dinner. He doesn't want to because he feels like he's failed as a son because he doesn't look like his dad. And when we understand maturity, we understand like Asher will literally naturally grow up to look like his dad. Natalie will naturally grow up to look like her mom. Yes, like appearance-wise, but I mean even like nature-wise, right? Like you always hear people talk about like when they get married, it's like all the things they didn't realize they did because it's just what their family does. It's the same way with the Lord. When we're born of spirit, I want to tell you something. Your maturity in Christ, if you will walk in the spirit with him, you will naturally day by day look more and more like him than you did yesterday, And you don't have to flex for it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to get on stilts and a fake beard for it. You don't have to dress differently. You walk with him. And if Asher today said that the goal was to look like his dad, and so he went and tried to go figure it out, and he left left his father's house to try to figure it out in his flesh, it would be a disaster. Right? And here's the crazy thing. Maturity isn't changing, it's actually growing into who you are. Like as Asher grows, right, like when Asher starts driving, he's eight, so like in 10 years, this may freak you out, in 10 years, he's going to be driving, right? Whoa, crazy. When Asher starts driving, he's not going to change to drive, he's going to grow into someone who can drive. Like when we mature in Christ, he's not changing us into someone different, he's growing us into who we are. Does that make sense? Like, I used to pray this prayer all the time, and my heart was in the right place, but I always would be like, Lord, don't leave me like this, right? We're always like, Lord, change me. And he's like, what are you talking about? You need to grow. You need to walk in it. But so many times, like I said, we were on stilts trying to be, so what happens is we see a man or woman of God and we see them in maturity and we try to copy it. And so we get on these stilts and a fake beard and whatever, and we keep falling down. And now we feel really ashamed and like we can't do it. And Jesus, and we're just this little eight-year-old in the Lord, and Jesus is like laughing at us. And he's like, just walk with me. I'll teach you. I'll grow you. I'll feed you. Right? Like, so Natalie, for instance, I don't, I don't even know. This is kind of embarrassing. How long do babies just drink milk? Six months. Okay. So for the next six months, 
Natalie is going to be drinking milk, right? Her feet are going to grow. Her hands are going to grow. Her hair is going to grow. Her eyes are going to grow. Her organs are going to grow. And all she's doing is drinking milk. Are you all catching that? All she's doing is receiving the nutrients given to her, and she's going to naturally, again, this is what I mean. God designed this. Naturally, she's going to grow. Naturally. She's not trying. She's not working. She will naturally grow. The same milk that makes her feet grow, makes her eyes grow, that makes her brain grow, that makes her heart grow. That's crazy. Like, can we just be amazed by that? So God, through the Spirit, he's offering us food and drink. He's offering us himself, I believe, actually. I believe he's the bread and he's the wine. He's giving us himself, and if we will take it and eat it and consume it, and we will walk with him and receive what he's giving us to eat, we will naturally grow into, and now Natalie is going to drink milk, and she will literally every single day look more and more like her mom. Every single day, she's going to look more like her mom. And all she's doing is drinking milk that her mom gave her. That is miraculous. That's actually miraculous. Like, we take these things and we just, it's like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. But no, like, think about that. That's crazy. And that's how God designed it. And it's the same way in the spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, because we're born of the Spirit, we will naturally look more and more and more like Jesus every single day. We'll walk like Him, we'll talk like Him, we'll love like Him, and it's natural. And we don't strive for it, we don't try to, we don't flex for it, we don't, we don't need stilts in a fake beard to make it happen. And I think one of the greatest challenges as believers is seeing other people that are in a place of maturity and not trying to copy them, right? Like you hear about, oh, this person spends three hours in quiet time with the Lord. Oh, they do this. Oh, they just read this book. I'm going to read that book. There's not a problem with reading a book, but the problem is whenever we're taking things externally and trying to apply them to ourselves for us to grow up in Christ, apart from him. The Lord could lead you to something, right? The Lord could like, I mean, I've had like, don't believe me, there've been like books and the season, the Lord's like, read this, and I read it and like changes my life, right? I'm like, this is just what I needed. But what I'm talking about is when we feel inadequate and we start adding things to our lives to mature in Christ, then whenever we can't do them and we trip, we feel like a failure. And the Lord was like, I didn't ask you to get on stilts in the first place to look like me. And it actually hinders our walk with him. And now, we, like I said, we feel ashamed when we're around him because we're like, I'm not a good son because I can't even look like him. And he's like, I designed you to look like me. And can I tell you something? There's a few weeks ago that I was just sitting there with the Lord, and the Lord was like, just like I said about, we, like, parents do this with newborns. It's like everyone does this. And I mean, to be honest, some parents are like, look, they have my nose. And I'm like, they don't have your nose, right? <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't see it. But parents can see it. Like, Father God is looking over you, and he's saying, oh, look, he has my heart. Oh, look, he has my eyes. Oh, he looks like me. And you're like, no, I don't. Like, if little Natalie could be like, 
if she could speak, she'd be like, I don't look anything like you, Mom. But, but Suzanne's like, you look like me. Because it's his desire, it's parents' desire to see it in their kids. And it's actually there because they know that when they mature and grow, it's what's going to happen. And again, it is natural. It's in the face, but it's also in the nature, right? Like, I, there's so many things that I do that are like my parents <laughs> without even realizing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're always joking about, oh, wow, we just naturally did this and never knew it was even a thing. That's amazing. It's the same way with the Lord. I don't have, I've had a lot of people, and this isn't, I'm not boasting the flesh. I've had a lot of people tell me like, wow, you've really, like you're really grown and really wise and all these things. And I'm like, praise the Lord. I want to tell you, I don't have a secret for how I got here. There's no, I don't have like a three-step, there's no like three-step process for intimacy. I don't have like three eyes for intimacy with the Lord. I walk with him. <laughs> That's it. I walk with him. Like Asher, if his kids were like, how does your dad parent you? <laughs> it's like, what? I live with him. Like, if, if, you, if you can tell me, I, oh man, this might step on our toes. If you can tell me, like, what the Lord's doing to grow you, or like, how, like, that's a little scary. Like, if you have, like, a quantable, like, I spend three hours with the Lord every day. Like, that's scary. I understand, like, yes, quiet time, but I'm talking, like, you live with him. He's right here. Like, have we, have we limited how much he can speak to us and move through us and work through us to our devotion time in the morning? Like, yes, that's amazing. Like, spend time in the word. Like, this is what you eat. If he's offering us nutrients for us to, like, if there's milk and meat, this is what it is. It's his word. But I'm telling us, like, if we limit how much we think he can work through us to how much time we spend with him, we've missed it. You walk with him. You walk with him, and you begin to look like him. And what happens is there's these things that you're like, where did that come from? And it looks like Jesus. And it's amazing. And so Natalie, for the next six months, will just be drinking milk. And she's going to naturally grow and look more like her mom. And then after that, I don't know, baby food, it's like carrots and mashed potatoes or something, right? I don't, carrots and sweet potatoes. I don't know what's in baby food these days. Um, I feel like it's always carrots, though, because it's always like orange, right? Yeah, I guess it depends on what you want to do. So I want to, to turn to Hebrews 5 really quick and talk about diet. Because again, we're talking big picture, and we're about to wrap up. We're talking about maturity in the Lord. So if the end goal is that we stand before him confident, unashamed, bold, and spotless at his coming, how do we get there? First off, we get born again. Secondly, we need to understand what this says. So um, yeah, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So he's rebuking them and saying, right now you should be teaching people, but you still need milk. Like, you're still a baby that needs milk. Like, you're a two-year-old, but you still need milk because you're not ready for solid food. Why are they not ready for solid food? Verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not equated with the teaching about righteousness. Interesting. We will stay drinking milk for our lives if we don't understand righteousness. And we don't understand that he who, knew no, he who knew no sin became sin, that we would become the righteousness of God. When we understand that we're righteous, we understand that we grow into him. When we think that we're still sinners, when we don't understand that God doesn't give birth to sin, then we're going to spend our lives externally trying to grow, but internally we still need milk. Does that make sense? You have to understand righteousness. So here we go. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Distinguishing good from evil, knowledge of good and evil. Does this sound familiar? The original sin was Adam and Eve choosing to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but the sign of a mature believer is knowing good from evil. Is that perplexing? who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Do you have to train yourself to walk in the flesh? So the mature Christian is the one who has trained themselves. So this has to be talking about the spirit. It's talking about knowing good and evil through the spirit, not through the flesh and your natural eyes. Right, because Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, and their eyes were open. What eyes were open? Their spiritual eyes or their flesh? Spiritual eyes or their fleshly eyes? It was their flesh. And so now, a mature Christian is one who can see through the spirit what's good and evil, and not through the flesh. And I believe it's also knowing what to eat, right? Because little kids, I mean, if you were to be like, do you want ice cream or broccoli? Like everyone knows what the answer is going to be, right? Because kids don't know what's good and bad for them. A mature Christian, I believe, is one who can know what's good for their spirit, and they know what to eat, they know what to meditate on, they know what to digest. Does that make sense? And so when we understand walking in the spirit, not by the flesh, it means that we live our lives saying, Lord, is this good or evil? Lord, what's your, like, it's, it's bringing it before the Lord and living from the spirit, because that's the place that we will naturally grow into him. Now, I've talked about food, but I also want to talk about something else. Natalie is not just going to be drinking milk for the next six months, but she's going to be receiving so much care and attention and love from her parents, right? Like there are actual, there's so many studies that are done about baby's development. I remember studying this when I was literally a teenager because I thought it was so interesting. Y'all know that faces are the first things that baby recognizes even before shapes, like, if you have, like, a square or a circle, a baby can't tell the difference, but they can tell a face. God's nature. So, anyways, their baby's development is dependent upon nurturing. I want to tell you something. You growing up in the Lord is dependent upon you receiving his love and nurture towards you. 
And again, if we're trying to walk in the flesh, we won't receive it because we think that we're bad kids because we can't do it, right? Because we're like, I just, you know, oh, I can't do this. I don't look anything like the Lord and we won't receive it. But when we know, when we walk in the spirit, we can receive what he's saying over us and the love that he's pouring on us because he's a good father and he loves us. And, and if you can't hear the love that your father's speaking to you, I question if you can hear him, like fully. Because his thoughts for you are as innumerable as the sands on the seashore. Like if you can get a prophetic word for somebody else but not for yourself, how are you, like, it's like what Jason shared a few months ago. Like are we regarding ourselves according to flesh or the spirit? Like, you can't live, a kid, if a kid never heard what their parents spoke over them in love, like, they would, there's such a huge piece of their identity that would be totally missing, right? Like, it would totally be missing. Like, they could be strong and healthy and they're natural, but emotionally, like, they'd be a mess, right? But we think it's different with the Lord. We're like, I'm just going to prove to the Lord through my spiritual discipline that I don't need to receive his love? Like, that doesn't even make sense. And so, what I felt and what, like, the way that I want to wrap this up, actually, first, does anybody have questions? Does anybody have questions? I have questions. <laughs> I, I, actually, I want to share this. This is a question I have with the Lord. I've been asking him, and he hasn't given me an answer to it, but I want to share it is we become free from sin the moment we get born again, right? We're no longer slaves. So maturing in Christ can't mean sinning less because the moment we get saved, we're actually free from sin. We may still be walking in it, right? Like, we, like Paul talked about this Romans 5 through 8, like that you may still be walking in the flesh and be sinning in the flesh, but like spiritually, we're no longer bound to sin. So my question to the Lord that I don't have an answer to, that if y'all want to share an answer with me, feel free afterwards, is what does maturity in Christ look like and what does stumbling in maturity look like if it doesn't mean sinning? That's my question to the Lord. So if any of y'all have like revelation on that, I would love to hear it. Because think about this, a toddler when they're walking, no one like corrects them when they fall, they celebrate them when they walk. So like as you're learning to grow up and walk in Christ, falling can't mean sinning. Like, because maturity, does that make sense? I don't know. I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on that. But if y'all don't have any questions, um, what I wanted to do is take a few minutes, and I believe, even as I shared starting out, the Lord wants to speak to us and tell us what he sees in us. The Lord wants to tell you how you look like him. There's a lot of ways that I thought to wrap this up, but that's what I felt from the Lord, was that just like a parent looks over a little baby who's two weeks old and says, oh my goodness, he has my eyes. The Lord is looking over you no matter if you're a week old in the Lord or if you're 30 years old in the Lord, he's looking over you and he's speaking over you how you look like him. And I want us to listen into that and hear it. And if you can't hear it, I want you to ask someone to pray for you that you'd have ears to hear what he's saying.
Because I promise you, he's, it's not that he's not saying it. And if you can't hear it, ask the Lord to give you spiritual ears to hear, because in the flesh, you, it'll never be enough. Like, in the flesh, it doesn't matter. You could be the most anointed, like, mature person in Christ, but through the eyes of the flesh, you will always see your inadequacies and never receive inadequacies and never receive his love. So that's not, like, the goal isn't become so anointed and whatever in the Lord that you know. The goal is regard him, regard you, regard others according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. One super, super quick thing before I wrap up is a lot of verses, there's like probably four or five verses that I know of that are in the New Testament that talk about maturity in Christ and directly link it and relate it to um, the body and to brothers and sisters. And I believe one of the biggest signs of maturity in Christ is how you relate to people and love. I believe that how you love is one of the biggest determiners of your maturity in Christ, how you love people. And so a huge part of walking out this, like, the Lord, he gives his love to you, like, you grow up in him, but it's expressed through community and family. And a quickest way to be, like, immature, I believe, not the quickest, but a really fast way, is to, like, leave family and to just, when something gets hard, to leave and to jump from here to here to here to here. Because that's what an orphan does. And they eat from many different tables, So I want us to, if you, you can stay where you are, you can spread out. I don't know. I've, I want to give like five minutes or so and really just have the Lord speak over you. And if you need a pen, there should be one in the seat back in front of you. There's also paper. You can write this down. But I really, I just felt this is how the Lord wanted to do it because he's a good father and he's speaking over you. And it doesn't matter where your life is right now. It doesn't matter what it looks like. He's speaking over you. And I really mean this. If you don't hear anything, if you can't hear something from the Lord, ask someone around you to pray for you. Because this is a vital part of growing up in the Lord. It's receiving the nutrients and it's receiving his affection and his nurturing. So we're just going to take a few minutes and do this.
just hear the Lord saying, he's saying, my child, I know who you are and I know what you need. I know who you are and I know what you need. And I am everything that you need. He's saying, I am eternal and I'm not worried about time. I'm eternal and I'm not worried about how long it takes you. I'm not worried about how many times we go around this mountain. I am eternal. tender whispers thank you Lord for your word that shows us who you are and tells us who we are in you Lord I pray that you would incline our ears to the spirit Lord you would teach us day by day to walk with you and to trust you as our father who loves us, who leads us, who corrects us, who rebukes us and comforts us, who guides us. Thank you, Lord. If you need prayer or you just want someone to agree with you, you can come up to the front and we can have ministry teams or whoever feels led, microchurch pastors, to come forward. Um, I want to stay in this, in this atmosphere, though, and if the Lord's speaking something to you, just marinate on it. Just marinate in it. As Leslie was talking, I just, I kept hearing that scripture that we all learned to quote when we were four, and it's John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. You see, from the very beginning, it was about love. And I just, right now in this moment, I, I keep hearing that passage in 1 John 4 that says we only love because he first loved us. And so, Lord, I, I ask you, Lord, that there would be a fresh revelation of your love. Because here's the thing. Just as Wesley said, when you understand that you don't have to strive to earn his love, like we don't walk around and we're like, oh, I just have to figure out how to earn God's love. He loves you exactly the way that he made you. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says you were made in the image of God. And so this morning I feel like there's this place to receive 
his love. And listen, it doesn't matter. Sometimes we're like, oh, but I've done this. Oh, but I've stumbled and I've fallen. I'm a t you know? And the Lord's like, I love you just the way you, you are. And because I love you, I love you so much that my love just wants to pull you up higher and it just wants to stand you on your feet again. This morning, Lord, we step into a greater reality of your love that calls us into who you call us to be. So, Lord, I'm asking, Lord, where there's places in our heart that haven't been able to receive his love. Some of us, we put walls up, and it's, it's actually us creating walls. See, he doesn't create walls. Jesus, we ask you that your love would break down every barrier. The Father says that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you just the way that he made you. He loves you just the way that he made you. So this morning, we receive a fresh baptism of love. <laughs> Lord, some of us, we've been walking in different directions, and what you're doing is you're calling us back to first love. You're calling us back to that place of just devotion and love, just saying, I just love you, Lord. I don't have to figure it out, but I love you. Some of you, you need to just say this morning, you just need to say, man, I, <laughs> I love you, Jesus. You need to declare it. And some of you, you need to declare that Jesus loves me. Some of you, you're, you're fighting, you're, you're, you're trying to figure out how to, how to grow, and the Lord just wants you to step back and say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. So Lord, would you help us to understand and walk in your love? 